0: Welcome. I'm Sebastian Maffoud, and you're listening to
1: WCAT Radio, the on air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Good morning. Well, I'm very excited about uh, our speaker today. I've been in touch with uh, Mike Brenda for, gosh, about three, four months now, had some wonderful emails back and forth. He has a wonderful story about. Um, risk and reward as a business person entrepreneur uh, in Southern California an idea that stretches around the world today Uh, but Mike made it very clear that he wants to come up and talk about one particular thing Catholic faith which leads to Catholic service and along with the theme of our club how we stretch that faith and service deeper into our personal and professional lives. As we're talking before, uh, during breakfast this morning, it's very clear that we have a large group of very faithful, very good, service-oriented Catholic people that attend regularly this breakfast, you. The challenge that we face, and the challenge that Mike is looking forward to sharing with us, and the challenge that he faces every day is how to get more good Catholic people to participate in groups like this by stretching their faith a little bit deeper personally and professionally. I think there's a call for all of us to listen to what Mike has to say, to personalize it, and to take the message and stretch it, customize it into our own life. So with that, I'd like to present Mike Brenda from Southern California speaking today about Catholic service personally and professionally.
0: Thank you for the invitation to be here today. Uh, Many times when I talk, I just talk from notes. Uh, Sometimes I have a prepared text, and today I have a prepared text. And the title is going on, Is simply, are you talking to me? There was an old Cherokee Indian talking to his grandson one evening about a battle that was going on inside himself. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves. One is evil and full of anger, full of envy and greed and arrogance and lies and pity and false pride and ego. Then he said, the other wolf is full of love and joy and peace, hope and kindness and truth and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and asked his grandfather, Grandpa, which wolf wins the battle? And the old Cherokee replied simply, "The one I feed," he said, "the one I feed." I think you know this battle. This battle goes on each day within all of us, and the good wolf must win. But how? Bad wolf. History did not record whether whatever other wisdom the old Cherokee might have given his grandson. The story is informative but incomplete. For example, What do we feed the good wolf? How do we starve the bad wolf? In other words, will I serve Christ in some way today, or maybe not? Let's start by asking a question. How do you make God smile? Tell him your plans. Most of us are eager to do what we want with our lives. Speaking for myself, for the majority of my life, I never even considered God has a plan for my life. In fact, I never much considered God, period. It took me 42 years to realize that what I had planned for my life might not have anything to do with what God wants of me or for me. As leaders, we like to reflect back on what we accomplished, on the things we built, or the problems we solve. But what God wants from us each day is more fundamental. All God wants is your unconditional love. God is not asking how many deals you closed or houses you painted or whatever it is you do for a living. All God is simply asking us is, how much did you love me today in thought, word, and deed? You can probably gather that discerning the daily plan God has prepared for you requires some effort on your part. You can't just say, Okay, Lord, I'll get to you when I find the time. Have you ever noticed it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark? Perhaps Noah can teach us something about time and priority management. But you say your schedule is already jam-packed. You have no time for Christian formation activities in your day. You have no time to discern what God is asking of you today. If this is how we feel or this is how we act. Satan has us right where he wants us, wrapped up in the world and our jobs and our own daily plans with little or no time for God's plan. How do we find the time in our busy schedule to serve God's plan according to his plan for us? Wrong question. Absolutely wrong question. First, it's not about time. Dwelling on finding more time in your day is a decoy thrown your way by Satan. Satan wants you to try and find more time in a day, which is impossible by definition. All you have to do is choose to redirect some of the time to do that you already have. Being open to what God has planned for you today has nothing to do with time and everything to do with your attitude towards God. Do not view serving Christ as another job which somehow must be squeezed into your day. Note that half of what God is required to see for your plan today is an open mind. Whether you are at home or at work or standing in line for a movie, God will expose opportunities for you to form your life around Christ and change your environments in so doing. The other half of what is required is best explained by G.K. Chesterton, who said about having an open mind, merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind is to shut it on something solid. Will Will you open your mind and then shut it on something solid? Will you give the daily formation and feeding of your soul more time than watching television, or going out with friends, or the excessive pursuit of material wealth? Somehow in 1996, I found myself attending a Catholic retreat called Curcio, where the speaker was telling me I had to seek the truth taught by Christ how was I supposed to seek the truth taught by Christ when I didn't really know God and I had no interest in doing so? I was blinded by the material world, so there was no chance for my formation. I was a mechanical Catholic with a first-grader's knowledge in my faith, and what little I knew had never found its way from my head to my heart. It's just like the old Cherokee said, The key to your own formation is the wolf that you choose to feed and what you choose to feed him. It makes no difference right now if you are at a first grade level with your faith, which is where I used to be, or you have been a priest all your life. Whether you are aware and conscious of it or not, every day you are feeding one wolf or the other. But I soon realized that if I did not progress in my knowledge, then no matter how strong my intentions, I was limiting myself. God could only use me in activities commensurate with my first grade level of knowledge. For example, how could he call me to sponsor someone to become a Catholic when I was such a poor example myself? So I had to ask myself, how far could an apathetic Catholic Christian with a first grade education progress in their faith? Not very far was my answer. I decided to reverse my course, but I further decided that to truly grow in Christ and to be more versatile in working for Christ, he needed me to be formed more deeply in my faith and commit to go beyond my first grade level of knowledge. And then reality hit me. So what that you want to form yourself in Christ? So what that you want to follow God's plan for your life? So what that you want to learn more about your faith? I was about two seconds down this new road when I realized that for all my desire to get going with God and his daily plans for me, I didn't know where to start. At the most basic level, I guess the means would involve prayer, but I didn't know what to pray for, and I didn't know what to look for. Pray what? Look for what? Will I hear a voice from above reminding me to stop and pray or volunteer to feed the poor? Will there be some visible sign? There were too many questions and not enough answers. I was in danger of stopping, being overwhelmed before I ever got started. So I decided to simplify Ultimately, I knew that if I did anything at all, if I prayed, if I read something, if I just performed some small Christian action, that would be more than I had done before. I decided to put my trust in God that somehow he would lead me each day to his plan for me. Of course, it didn't take very long for that other wolf, the wolf that I'd been feeding for 42 years, to start howling inside my head. That wolf was trying to sell me on all the excuses and obstacles to my new interest in Christ and his daily plans for my life. You will hear this wolf talking to you, too, saying such things as, you're too busy for prayer now, maybe later. And reading, you can read those Christian books when you finish that 500-page Tom Clancy novel. And by the end of the day, you're tired. You don't need any of that Christian service stuff. Weekends are to relax. Don't go rushing in anything. Be sure to check your schedule. You've got a vacation just around the corner. Besides that, you know more than you think you do. You know the are Father Prayer. What else is there? In fact, most Catholics are just like you. No, dumber than you. And they get along just fine. Why, I bet you know more than most Catholics. Sure, you do. You're pretty smart. And get this what you don't already know, you don't really need to know anyway. You're just fine as you are. Now get back to what you were doing. And on and on, the battle raged the battle of the two wolves inside me. Satan was the DJ in my mind, playing his top ten excuses to do nothing. He was pushing all my buttons. But now I knew the old Cherokee was right about one thing. The wolf I feed is the one that wins. Satan would not waste his time attacking me unless he was afraid his wolf would be starved. To find the plan God had prepared for me, I'm certain I started my formation journey with a prayer. I just don't remember exactly what prayer I said. Probably it was nothing more than, Lord... I'll try not to make you smile or laugh anymore by telling you my plans. Please open my eyes to your plan for my life today. Whatever prayer I said, it was answered, and it has not stopped working to this day. Every day, God shows me opportunities to be formed more deeply in His Son, whether it be by attending daily Mass, Eucharistic adoration, helping others, or simply some quiet time in prayer that I sometimes don't see the opportunity God gives me each day is a reflection on me, not God. I think it would be useful to compare the difference between formation by the material world and formation by the hand of God. I would like to share with you my before and after picture, or state it another way, let me tell you about my battle between the two wolves. First, the wolf I used to feed. This is a Ferrari 512 TR. Up to my Curcio retreat in 1996, this photo tells the story. I am the driver in this photo. The car was mine. The sunset view in the background of the photo was similar to the view from my home. I was successful in business. I built the world's largest computer training company. We leveled the competition. I was Entrepreneur of the Year in 1994. I was not evil in the sense that I cheated my way to the top. I didn't. I worked my way there. But at the same time, I was not the father I should have been to my three children. Notice I was not named Father of the Year in 1994. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and a broken marriage are not a part of my story, nor do they have to be. Without God in your daily life, you're just talking about degrees of lost. You see, chasing success as defined by the world was my God at that time. I was being formed all right, just like a lump of clay, but not formed by the hands of the right potter. Worldly success was the name of the wolf that I fed every day. Whether you add drug abuse, a broken relationship, or a hundred other items to the list doesn't change the overall disposition of your soul. A lost soul is a lost soul, and I was a lost soul. I will leave it to your imagination to further visualize who and what I used to be. Further examples are not really necessary, and besides, they are too painful to dredge up. It is also important to note that I do not mean to demonize all material possessions, but to remind you that you must own them. They must not own you. Let me move on to the wolf I feed today. Let me tell you about what happens when you commit yourself to following the plan God has prepared for you. A short time ago, I was approached by a priest. I took that as a God sign, a sign God was revealing his plan for me. As in my past life, priests were not in the habit of approaching me. The priest had a problem and asked for my help. Let's stop here. Seven fruits grew from this one seed of Christian formation. The first fruit of my my formation that day, that my mind was open enough to God that I would listen to his messenger tell me his plan. Second fruit of my formation, that a Catholic priest, a good and holy man, would even know me, much less choose to talk to me. Third fruit of my formation that day, the comfort of being validated. Imagine a priest with a problem would actually think I could help him. By sending a priest to speak with me, God affirming that I was making progress in my own formation. When you commit to follow God, trust God. He will let you know you are moving in the right direction. The priest explained to me that a young woman he was counseling had been in discernment for several years regarding becoming a cloistered, Norbertine, none. She had finally decided to enter the convent, but could not do so until all her college student loans were repaid. She also had to prepay two years of health insurance. Because of these financial obligations, she could not enter the convent until they were eliminated. On her own, this effort would take years. Fourth fruit of my formation that day, observing the perfection and symmetry of God's plan, that the Holy Spirit working through a priest would provide me the opportunity to grow in my own formation by simultaneously guiding me to help another person grow in their formation. Fifth fruit of my formation that day, helping others. In giving, I discovered the special grace and joy one can only receive through helping others. If we fast forward now and look at the picture, you will see Sister Mary Maximilian Colby and my wife Kathy and myself. The picture was taken inside the convent. Compare the message of the two photos. I do not think it is a coincidence that in the earlier picture, the picture of my life before I began my daily formation in Christ, I literally sit in the shadows of an approaching darkness. And in the other picture, I am standing in the light of Christ. The sixth fruit of this formation example, confirmation. I hope that by sharing this formation experience, I am planting seeds that will bear fruit in others. Believe that no matter what your resources or talents, if God has a daily plan for me, he also has a daily plan for you. And your efforts will also bear much fruit, whether you ever see it or not. The seventh fruit of this formation example unknown. Sister Mary Maximilian Colby is praying for you right now as I speak. She is praying for the year for the world years before she would have been able to without assistance. What will be the fruit of her life in prayer for all these extra years? What will God do with her personal sacrifices and devotion? the answers are unknown but what if you do but what if we do nothing to radically change our environment for Christ what if we miss the opportunities to serve God or what if we do something but not as much as we should perhaps gandhi is a good example of a missed opportunity gandhi was a hindu but he read the bible daily and he once told a reporter it was the greatest book ever written When the reporter asked him why he didn't become a Christian, Gandhi replied, because of other Christians. He wasn't just referring to what Christians do. He was also referring to what we don't do. If Gandhi had seen more Christian communities prone to action, perhaps a billion Hindus would be Christian today. How can a non-Christian society ever become interested in Christ's message if we don't aggressively penetrate that that society and deliver our message. There is no shortage of opportunities to spread Christ's message to our workplace or community. What there is a shortage of are people who will take action and do the work of Christ. We can't always wait for the other people to do it. Sometimes we are the other people. We too often leave the conversion of environments to others, even though when you look around, there are no others. Note that all of the apostles, except John, died violent deaths. I'm sure they wished for some others from time to time, but when they looked around, they were it. Sometimes waiting until everything is perfect before taking action translates into a missed opportunity. Sometimes, I'm thinking things over, or I'm planning are just euphemisms for, that's not my job. The notion of planning becomes a smokescreen for procrastination or not taking any action. I'll pray about it is often code speak for, I'll forget about it, as we never make it back to the original issue. Not to mention some issues are time sensitive. To delay is to dodge. Rare is the person who thinks quickly and acts quickly, immediately challenging wrong or addressing a problem. Consciously or subconsciously, down deep, people know that overthinking a problem is a way of avoiding taking action, sometimes uncomfortable action. It is a way of avoiding confrontation. Predictably, this tendency to overthink the situation leans in one direction, personal consequences. What will happen to me? If I do what Jesus would do right now, what are the consequences to me? Lost wages, lost friends, lost business, lost family, lost money. Here is the truth about consequences. Jesus didn't think about consequences. Jesus didn't hesitate to act. Jesus didn't have to consult anyone before righting the wrong. Jesus never cared if he was outnumbered. Jesus only cared about one thing, serving the will of his Father every moment. Whenever faced with any situation that went against the teaching of the Father, he was a man of action. To Jesus, there were no conditions whereby wrong could ever become right by waiting. Waiting to take action against an injustice was just a waste of time. God will always work on behalf of the leaders that surrender their hearts completely to him. Therefore, with Jesus, there was never any lag between spotting a wrong and correcting a wrong. But you say, Jesus was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Wrong. We are all a part of the body of Christ on this earth. As Catholic Christians, we often tell people that we are the hands of Christ that we are the only Bible some people may ever read. Yet what does that really mean? How fast do we embrace our duty to evangelize or change our home or work environments for Christ? Is the courage to take Christian action anytime, anywhere, a part of our permanent daily lifestyle? Or do all the thoughts of procrastination or fear push to the front of our mind? The more work we do as members of a larger body, such as this body here today, the more society sees the complete face of Christ in our actions. Do not think that because you are living in a world of faxes and email that the formula for spreading Christ's church has changed. What is the difference between St. Paul telling a pagan about Jesus 2,000 years ago And me telling my 24-year-old son, now the atheist, about that same Jesus. There is no difference. The job of transforming communities into Christian bodies of action today is now your duty. Who will be the yeast that leavens communities today if the people in this room don't do it? Ask yourself this question. How did you get into this room? Don't fall for the illusion that you are here by chance. You said yes to God's call, and his plan for you today involves bringing you here. You said yes to this entire Christian community that was formed to serve your spiritual growth. No doubt we all wish that someday society will adopt the spirit of this group. Unfortunately, wishful thinking is not enough to lead people to Christian behavior. If you want society to be more Christian, what can you do about it? Start by embracing God's daily plan for you and your life and expect to personally be called to lead the way. Why you? Because action without leadership is just another definition of chaos. Therefore, it is implied within the charter and purpose of this group that if God desires a radical change in environments, he will bring forth the leaders to facilitate these changes to environments. By your nature, this gathering is a gathering of potential and obvious Christian leaders. Leadership remains one of the glaring needs of the church, and I am certain there are many in this room that possess the gift of leadership. The question is whether or not you have chosen to place your gift of leadership fully into the service of God or fully into the service of self. Both subtle and blunt advertising has overinflated our sense of self today. There's nothing wrong with exposure to ads that proclaim such things as we do chicken right, but the specific message that corrupts the soul is the Madison Avenue hype provoking rugged individualism the same thing that caused an angel named Lucifer to fall from heaven. The more modest be-all-you-can-be marketing slogan has now been perverted into, I am the king. The decisively non-Christian, self-centered proclamation, I am the king, is not the message I want the world to hear. But in the past, I just sat back and did nothing as moral values headed for the toilet. Instead of joining a community, such as this one, with a mission to fight against the erosion of Christian principles, I ignored the situation because I figured one guy couldn't make a difference. But I figured wrong. Let's look at the life of prisoner number 16770. The time is August 1941, Nazi extermination camp, Auschwitz-Birkenau. After a successful escape attempt by a fellow prisoner, 10 prisoners were randomly selected to be put to death. Prisoner number 16770 stepped forward and said, I want to die in place of this prisoner. And so it was that at age 47, Father Maximilian Colby volunteered to trade places with a young husband and father. Father Colby died by lethal injection. After two weeks of starvation, failed to kill him. How do you interpret Father Colby's action? All things being equal, Father Colby already had his salvation. He was prayerful and holy his entire life, yet he felt called to further action. Note that this action note that his action could have been limited to silent prayer for the condemned. The question must be asked. Why didn't he just keep his mouth shut, pray, and do nothing more? Simple answer. Christ called him, just like Christ calls you, to make your environment more Christian. Sometimes prayer must be combined with action to produce a more Christian environment. Make no mistake. Development of your interior spiritual life through prayer is paramount to a balanced existence, the fact is, if you fail to pray, you have no interior spiritual life. And sooner or later, no matter how much help you no matter how much you help others, you will realize that you lack Jesus within you and you need daily prayer. But a key point of this talk is to understand that development of your interior spiritual life is only one aspect of what Christ has called you to do. Pray, pray, pray as the Blessed Mother likes to say. But understand you are not to only develop a personal relationship with Christ through prayer, but at the same time to change your environment so that all people, and not just you alone, have a closer personal relationship with Christ. Jesus Christ should be your personal Lord and Savior, but Christianity was not meant to be the religion of a chosen few. Father Colby stepped forward out of a desire to change his environment and make it more Christian. It was not a question of trading his life for one man. He wanted to change the overall environment. He did so with a premeditated and deliberate action. When the door clanged shut on the condemned men, he took charge of them, and not just them, but the others who were dying of hunger in cells nearby. It is a fact that from the moment he came into their midst, those condemned people felt a protective presence. Suddenly their cells resounded with hymns and prayers. The SS guards themselves said, we never saw anything like it before. And what they meant by that was how one man's action could have such a tremendous effect on their environment. Imagine people singing and praying the rosary in Auschwitz, of all places, as they starved to death. Then imagine what the guards must have felt when the man they thought had escaped had actually drowned in the latrine. From a Nazi mistake, a saint was born that has become an example to us all. At a time when so many people dump their faith, faith in Christ, Father Colby leads by example. If you want the world to be a more Christian place, start on your knees in prayer, but ultimately you must get on your feet to change your environment. Key words, your environment. Nobody is suggesting that you take on something new. We're talking about the transformation of environments you already belong to. Your family, your work, your friends, your home. The message here is not Be like Father Colby and go die for someone. The message is, bloom where you are planted. It just so happens Father Colby found himself planted inside a Nazi death camp, so that is where he bloomed. Perhaps you're thinking this call to action, this call to change your environments, is outside your comfort zone. Let's talk about comfort zone for a moment. Given the choice between waving a magic wand to make Auschwitz a more Christian place or dying of starvation and lethal injection, which do you think Father Colby would choose? Thankfully, there is not any magic wand in the real world, allowing us the chance to be the hands and feet of Christ today. Do not be put off by leaving your comfort zone. The discomfort you may feel is normal. After all, he left his comfort zone for us. So what happens when you live a life insulated, isolated from God? I told you one son of mine is now an atheist. He's 24 years old and awaiting admission to graduate school. My wife and I have been told a hundred times not to blame ourselves for his choice to cancel his faith. Our friends tell us, It's just a phase he's going through. He's searching. All of which may be true, but it doesn't change the fact that during the first 17 years of his life, his father sent him all the wrong signals. I bought into the self-made man image, and then I sold that same thinking to him. My son is observant, and as he grew up, he saw right through my once-a-week mandatory mechanical church attendance. He knew I really wasn't a part of the church community, and he knew I didn't give any credit to God for my success. I even made sure total strangers knew I gave no credit to God. For 11 years, the license plate on my car said, self-made. Instead of giving my son the Bible to read, I gave him a book called The Fountainhead, written by noted author and atheist, Anne Rand. This blatant promotion of self rather than soul no doubt had some influence on my son, for he now acknowledges a self, but not a god. If you can imagine someone knowingly giving their child a book whose only message is that man is his own god, you'll understand how dangerous it is to live in isolation and ignore joining a Christian community or bringing others into a Christian community. I applaud you for being here today and being a part of this group, but I must ask, can you do more with this group to make your community, your environments, more Christian than you are? You may not have to look very far to find a community in need of being more Christian. You can start with the community closest to you, the one called family. Does your family pray together each evening? Do you ever say a decorative rosary together as a family? Are there obvious signs in your house that it is a Catholic home? Do you explain the Catholic teachings on sexuality to your teenage children? Are there immoral television shows on your TV? Are they blocked? Do you go with your children to the Sacrament of Reconciliation? There are many opportunities to lead your family environment to more Catholic Christian behavior once you realize that it is not somebody else's job to lead them. It is your job. I know the toughest part is changing who you are and taking the first step. It was not that long ago that I began my search for communities that would accept the new Mike Brinda, no longer a self-serving individual, but a Christian man prone to community action. Even though I had no history of joining a community of any kind, I went to see the pastor of my parish and told him I was looking to serve Christ through service in community. He gave me this book, which you may not be able to read. It's the Diocese Parish Directory. But he did not give me any further comment or direction. Why? Because if I prayed, he knew the Holy Spirit would provide the direction and guide me on the right path. Impulsive reaction becomes tomorrow's apologies. Instead of saying or doing something you might regret, simply remember to pray each morning to see God's plan for you. And then be patient. Environments are not necessarily changed when you want them to be. Events unfold in God's time. But even if you're patient, the question remains, how do you know when to act? Should you wait for a better opportunity to come along? And when taking action, what should the plan be? Answer, how should I know? How should you know? Don't ask me and don't ask yourself. Ask God. In other words, pray. You have to pray before acting. You have to talk to God about man before you talk to man about God. So first, I prayed. I prayed the prayer to the Holy Spirit. Then I flipped through the pages until I found the community of St. Vincent de Paul, which I remembered because as a child, I went to St. Vincent de Paul summer camp. I made an appointment to visit their food distribution center in Orange, known as Second Harvest. This is a giant food warehouse where several hundred agencies that feed the poor do their grocery shopping. My new friend Jim gave me a facility tour. I just looked and listened and then asked what I could do to help. He directed me to the can wash station where I found my new calling. It became my job to sort and clean the pallet loads of donated soda pop cans. I can tell you this without any reservation. I felt more love in this community washing rat droppings off cans for Jesus than I ever did driving a Ferrari. On the facility tour Joe gave me, I noticed several large and small trucks parked behind the warehouse. What I found odd was that they were parked. They should have been out collecting donated food from the local markets. When I asked Joe why they were parked, He told me they were black flagged by the highway patrol for brake problems, not to mention major mechanical trouble. Now I ask you, what was I supposed to do at that point? Go have a steak dinner and ask how the poor people are eating today? The next day, those trucks were in the shop for repairs. To this moment, only only Joe knows I did that. No fanfare, no boasting. Just one Christian man joining a community And doing what Christ taught him to do. You may have heard of the Corazon community that builds homes for the very poor in Tijuana. My family and I joined their community and helped on several home builds. On my first trip, I noticed all the children watching us work. Although although they were very happy, I just sensed something was missing, and then it hit me. All the children were walking, there were no bicycles. I couldn't buy everyone a bicycle, but what was I supposed to do at that point? Ignore what I saw or apply what I've learned about the power of community? The next day, I began calling bike shops. Most weren't interested in what I had to say. But I kept calling until I met Jack Salem of Jack's Bike Shops. I told Jack that if a person traded in their old bike when they bought a new bike, he could give them a free lock. And I would pay for it. Corazon would then send a truck around to his four bike shops and pick up the used bikes, which would then be cleaned and refurbished by another community of volunteers. Then the bikes were delivered to Tijuana, where even another community distributes them to the children. Notice there is much power within a community such as this one. For pennies on the dollar, hundreds of bicycles have been delivered to children, and some of those children will never forget it was a Christian community in action that gave them their first bike. Through the community of St. Vincent de Paul, I discovered the Catholic detention ministry. Volunteers are always needed to counsel the young boys and girls locked up inside juvenile hall, so I joined that community and gave what time I could. Juvenile Hall is broken up into housing units of approximately 30 youths per unit. Each unit has a so-called library. Upon further inspection, I found these libraries to be filled with literary trash, such as death on a Tuesday morning. What books there were worth reading could no longer be read, as pages are routinely ripped out and used to write notes or on. What was I supposed to do at that point? Counsel somebody to get an education by handing them the masterpiece of literature, Hard Luck Larry? Should I have complained about how previously donated books were not screened? Should I sit around and wonder why? Or did I learn to do something for society through the good stewardship of the gifts God has entrusted me with? The next day, I ordered 2,000 books. And a few weeks later, when I placed them in each unit library, I removed all the trash novels, which ultimately filled an industrial-sized dumpster behind my parish church. The question I have for you is this. Could I have done any of these things alone? Could any of this have happened without my first seeking and then joining a community? But again, you say, I have no time. I'm too busy. Well, this is a community, and you had enough time to be here today. Perhaps you only have time to join one community once in a while. Would you call that good enough? I wouldn't. I'd call it outstanding. I'd call it excellent. We are absolutely not in competition with one another to see who can do the most. Be true to your conscience, that inner voice, it will tell you how much is enough or not enough. Each situation is unique, and we have been blessed with different gifts. Jesus only asks us to do what we can with the gifts we've been given. Translation, maybe it was my gift to find the bicycles for children in Tijuana, but not your gift or your teenage child's gift to donate a few, not, few hours and clean them up before delivery. Only one thing is certain. Doing nothing is never an option. St. Paul used to persecute Christians without mercy, and he was converted in an instant. Throughout history, God usually selects the most imperfect people he can find to be his messengers, just to let everyone know who's really in charge. If you feel that you are not the perfect person for this job, then you're probably being called. You can not only pray and ask St. Paul for help, but there are many additional sources of Catholic spiritual formation, such as books, magazines, seminars, Christian music, Catholic websites, retreats, tapes, Bible study groups, and Catholic radio. The issue is not whether there are enough sources of formation available to you. There are plenty of sources. The issue is your attitude and willingness to participate in them. It has been over 2,000 days since I accepted God's call and reversed my course. Time does not permit me to relate to you all the daily opportunities God has given me to form myself and others closer to His ideal. Just remember that the observation and acceptance of such opportunities is your duty and daily formation bears daily fruit. Life is acceptance of responsibilities or their evasion. It is the business of meeting obligations or avoiding them. Will you choose to accept the call and make Christian formation a greater part of your everyday life? Will you choose to be creative as a member of this group? Will you harness the power of this community? Will you stop and make plans and collectively invent new ways to change your environments to be more Christ-like? Will you let the world run on its own terms or remake the communities you belong to into the image of Christ? In short, will you choose to make more of a difference? The answer to these questions was highlighted by the old Cherokee taking his grandson, talking to his grandson when his grandson asked, which wolf will win the battle? By now you know the answer, the wolf you choose to feed. You have noticed me turning the photos of this poster. The, turnings, the turning of the photos was meant to symbolize the effects of formation on each person in this room. As each, as each of you choose to be formed in Christ, you can see that together you help form the image of Christ to the world. Without you, The face of Christ is incomplete. So go forward. Don't look back at where you were or who you might have been. And open your eyes and your heart every day to whatever God has planned for you. Say a prayer every morning that you may be guided by the hand of God. And remember, never quit. Let me close by saying that you have heard me mention several times, we are called to make our environments more Christian. The misleading part of that statement is in the inference that we, us mere creatures of God, are the ones that make things happen. Let me be clear to you about one thing. Without the blood of Christ, we can make nothing happen in the spiritual realm. Pity the man who believes it is his own efforts that produce an increase in faith, incites virtue, or puts an end to sin. Without question, it is through men, but not because of men, that we find our way to salvation and change our environments. After his conversion, St. Paul spent his life either in prayer or working to make environments more Christian. What an honor it is that Christ called on us to carry the tradition set in motion by Paul and the other apostles. I am not so much overwhelmed that I know Christ and St. Paul as that Christ and St. Paul know me. There are places in the world you can go where people pray openly as they walk down the street. And love is in the air. Where doors are not locked and the cars don't need alarms. Where purses do not contain pepper spray and only Christian programming is on TV. Where abortion is not practice and immorality has been eliminated. The trouble is, I don't know where any of these places are. So I've taken it upon myself to join with others of like mind within communities, and we have made it our mission to build such a place right where we call home. My final question for you is, will you join us? We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mahfoud. Good day.